Hey Frank, it's me. Thought I should have a word with me, old buddy, about 5e. I know you've got some room there in your heart for it, and you've talked about making it a bit old school or slimming it down, speeding up character generation, etc. I just wondered what your current thoughts on it were, mate. I wondered if we could get a little conversation going. Hello, hello, I'm Colin Green and you are listening to Spike Pit, episode 132. Well, yes, there is definitely room at my table for 5e. And although my 5e Essentials project kind of got away from me for a while, I've got some new thoughts on how to tackle that. I've seen some really interesting stuff online where people have been slimming it down or making character generation that much easier. And I think the modularity of it, we can really just take whole parts of it out and not have to worry about it. There's a lot of room for play in 5e, all pun intended. Glad to hear you're still thinking about 5e, Frank, and you're having some fresh thoughts the modularity that you talk about and uh, the whole sort of solidness of the system, I think has always been present in D&D and that's why it's endured to this day. 1974, it's now 2019. I want to follow D&D into the future. I want to join in with some of the younger folk and maybe it's, maybe it's time we need to... talk about this five year a little bit more sometimes i think it's almost the elephant in the room amongst the guagnards and stuff so um yeah what are these new ideas you've got mate perhaps we could start with how you get the game to the table maybe character generation and uh your thoughts on that well you know for the most part um the modern game isn't that much different from the original 1970s game. Um, You know, the essential rules of the game or the essence of the game is really pretty much the same. Uh, And if we look at the basic rules, the, the free basic rules, you know, in the how to play section, it says one, the DM describes the environment Two, the players describe what they want to do. And then three, the DM narrates the results of the adventurer's actions. That's something that hasn't changed from the very beginning. Now, one major advancement was in the refinement of the D20 mechanic. You know, in previous editions, we had, I think, a lot of different systems all working together to form one game. And when they unified the mechanic under a D20, they really, the game really became streamlined and and simplified. And for me, that becomes part of the ease of getting it to the table, especially with younger players. You know, the, the, uh, it really is as simple as one, two, three, I suppose you could say. You know, the, the basic uh, core mechanic is, you know, one, roll a die and add a modifier. 
two, you apply any bonuses and subtract any penalties. And then three, you compare the total to a target number. And I think that really makes the game run very simply. And I, I don't think that's much different from the roots of the game. I think all we've done is really codified that in the rules. It's the simplicity of that core mechanic that really makes it easy for me to get to the table, especially when playing with younger and less experienced players or new players. The only thing anybody has to be concerned with is a target number and bonuses and penalties to their role. Now, in terms of character generation, I've been really thinking about this and trying to simplify it, but I wasn't very successful. However, I came across a video on YouTube uh, by the channel Dungeon Craft, and the host really breaks down character creation in 10 minutes or less in a really fantastic way. Now, I feel like you have a lot more experience with 5e at the table than I do, and I tend to homebrew right out of the box. What has been your experience in getting 5e to the table, especially since I know you're playing with a wide variety of age groups? Yeah, I tend to enjoy the homebrew stuff myself but with 5e and getting that to the table was a little bit different i'd been out of rpgs for years really and um, when the 5e starter box set became available i jumped on with that it had a set of pre-gens which we use for the players and at that point i didn't have my youngest son playing it was my eldest son but what we did have was a lot of um novice players uh three of them had not rpg'd at all one had played fourth edition and then my myself and my brother we had played old uh mensa basic and expert from back in the 80s so it was a mixed bag i'm not convinced i would start out like that again i think i assumed a bit much of the players if i'm honest it was probably a bit of a stretch to even call it 5e, what we was playing. The uh, the set on the whole does a, a really good job of setting everything out. The character sheets have got the characters detailed up to level 5, I think, but it might be level 3, so don't hold me to that. But the, the starting adventure, Lost Minds of Fandelva, is kind of a little sandbox with... A, a good little adventure in the mines and I just I ran that I threw in some of my own ideas Fandolin seemed to really capture people's imagination and you know two years plus on we're still playing in the same location especially a place called Cragmore Castle which is over in Neverwinter Wood been backwards and forwards to there and I've talked about that on and off on various episodes of Spike Pit from playing those games and playing through the starter set, what really stood out to me was something you've touched on 
earlier, Frank, and that's the idea of the core mechanic. That cleaning up of different systems and rolling them into a a simple D20 mechanism where you, you just roll in against a number with your bonuses added to a D20 and trying to achieve that number, the DC. I like the fact that it's used for opposed rolls where you're rolling against something or someone else. Your saves are done like that, your ability checks, your combat rolls. It's all just that role and that's what I think that's what's drawing me back to 5e and that's what I want to explore and this this is why I'm comparing it to the old style of play and it confuses me a little bit when people think of it as complicated. I think it's a question of perception. 5e has got a lot of sort of add-on stuff potentially but you can ignore it and if you take this core mechanism and run with that I think you've potentially got a game that's actually simpler than BX. Have you got any thoughts on that, Frank? Yeah, I, I don't think that you'll ever replace BX, uh, not for me anyway, uh, just because of the nostalgia that's there. But I think in terms of simplicity, you really can't get more simple than the core mechanic in 5e. I, I think, you're, you know, you're absolutely right that it's the modularity. And I think that you have know, heard a lot of people talk about this, that if it's written in a rule book, then players will want to use it. And I think there needs to be some understanding between players and GMs as to what rules will be used at the table. I mean, outside of organized play, I don't know of any group that doesn't use house rules. And house rules have been in use from the very early days of Dungeons and & Dragons. And yet, it's still Dungeons & Dragons. So I think, you know, when you house rule 5e, which is something that I started doing way back in the D&D Next playtest, you're not doing anything that is outside of tradition. And I don't think that uh, players or game masters, for that matter, should see that as uh, something foreign to their table. We shall leave you there with Frank's closing thoughts. I'd like at this point to thank Frank for taking time out to make this recording. You can hear more of Frank over on Frank T's liner notes. That's his podcast and well worth a listen if you're not listening already. Thanks to you, the listener, for taking time to join us in this little chat. Take care and I'll catch you later.